Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash style. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rating hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash style, as in peristyle. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-T-Y-L-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash style. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're talking some USC Trojan football, of course, with the coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. A little bit of news coming out of USC, and we've got to talk about that today because USC announced on Sunday evening, while I was down at the beach, a little beach concert in Hermosa Beach, kind of expected a depth chart to come out, did not expect the quarterback announcement to come out on Sunday, but it did. So JT Daniels, the true freshman, former five-star prospect out of Modern Day High School, named the starting quarterback by Clay Helton. So we're going to talk about that and a lot more with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, like I said, at Coach Harvey Hyde. If you want to go and send us an email question, you can do that by sending an email to podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text the numbers 424-254-9141. That is our Google voicemail line. You can also text it. We got some texts. We got uh, lots of emails to get to, and we got a lot to talk about with the coach. What is up, coach? How you doing? Well, uh, game week. That's what I can say. It's game week. Uh, a couple of colleges kicked off this past weekend, and We've got games Thursday, Friday, but the big game, as far as all Trojan fans are concerned, is Saturday, September the 1st in the Coliseum when they have a chance to watch the 2018 edition of the Trojan football program and its starting quarterback, J.T. Daniels. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, not a lot. It's been a while, 2009, since USC started a true freshman at quarterback and Matt Barkley. So this is going to be a little bit different uh, different feel um, for USC kind of going forward. So we'll see what's going on with that. We're going to talk to Coach about it. Before we do, wanted to thank Southern California Tickets. They've been helping us out for years here on the podcast. You can go to SoCalTix.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. You want to see the struggling Dodgers? You want to go check out the Angels? And, of course, this weekend, it's football. There's football this weekend. You want to go to the USC-UNLV game? Go to SoCalTix.com, call them at 1-800-888-7287, talk to Curtis, he will help you out if you want to go to the game. The game's on Pac-12 Network this weekend, Coach, so a lot of people I know can't get it, so 
Hopefully you can make it out to the Coliseum if you're somewhere here in Southern California and check it out. Well, it's a huge game. It's a huge game for the Trojans, and if everyone remembers, maybe they don't. I used to be the head football coach at UNLV. It's a great opportunity for them to play in Southern California. They've got, I think, 46 players or so from Southern California, and they move into uh, the Pac-12, which is something I had a chance to play at, and I also played a team in the Big Ten. So it's a tremendous experience for these young kids to come home and play one of the top programs in America. It definitely is, and uh, I think just USC fans are excited to kind of get this going. It's a new era, new quarterback, no more Sam Darnold. You're seeing him doing well in the NFL for the Jets, um, and now you're going to get to see another modern-day quarterback. There's been a lot of them <laughs> coming through the program at USC. Uh, JT Daniels, that era will begin. So, Coach, um, you know, last night they tweeted it out. They sent out a, a release. Uh, I just want to start off getting like your kind of initial thoughts on, uh, you know, JT Daniels winning the job. Well, I think where it goes now, since you have a starter, first of all, I want to congratulate uh, him and the other two quarterbacks who really did compete hard. They had a great fall camp, and it's very difficult for them to uh, not be selected the starter, but they seem very positive in their statements, which I thought was tremendous. As far as for themselves, uh, I know they're disappointed, but I want to congratulate them for the competition. And JT Daniels, uh, I want to wish him the best of luck, and I hope it was the right decision. I think it is as far as the coaching staff is concerned, and they're the ones that make this statement or make the decision. So I'll go along with that, and uh, we'll, hate, we'll see what happens. I think now uh, is the time this week is decide what are you going to do with JT Daniels. What type of offense are you going to install for him? The other two quarterbacks are running type of quarterbacks. They give you the second running back in the backfield. Now, JT, I'm sure they don't want him to run as far as options or keeps or whatever, bootlegs. So they've got to decide, are they going to go to a two-back type of offense? Are they going to uh, run a lot of bootleg and have him throw the ball rather than run the ball? They've got to decide what type of offense they're going to run and how they're going to establish him and help him and protect him so that he's very successful. And one way to do that is to establish a running game and establish series where when you run the ball and you play action pass and gives him options and holds the linebackers where he has a chance to really, really mature into a great quarterback, which he has the potential to be. And he has been already on the high school level. So with, the decision coming down, uh, what do you think this means for USC early on in the season and then kind of long-term, too, picking a true freshman to, to be the starter? Well, what I think it, it is is that, uh, you know, it would be very difficult not to have started him. Everybody in the world, the media was writing everything and talking about the number of, recept or you know, less in less interceptions, uh, the number of total passes he threw, and this and that. So, and, you know, the media is very strong as far as convincing the public on what their thoughts are, and people believe everything to what people say. And sometimes we don't say, I'll consider myself in the media, I, we don't really consider everything. So I think it's now uh, taking it to a level of where these coaches feel that he can be a very successful player and I think he can be but again I think it's a point now in his career where a freshman starting and uh, I think 
I think that he has the ability to direct the, the Trojans to a great season, but I wish I wish he didn't have Stanford at Stanford, the second game of the year, and Texas at Texas. I have Texas as one of my surprise teams in my poll, and I think a lot of other people do. And going to Austin is going to be a difficult thing for him to do, but that's what happens when you play at USC. You've got to face those type of uh, situations, and uh, he's been on the big stage. Remember, he's been on the big stage as far as at modern day and winning a national championship, and he's a little bit older. So I think he's mature, and I loved what he said as far as uh, having the opportunity to play. And and as I we've said many times on the podcast, the other two quarterbacks are one play away from playing. So I just think what it means is here's an opportunity for a kid to be a three-year starter at USC. I won't say a four-year starter because if he is a three-year starter and USC has great success, he will probably come out early. But I think it also means now out there with his success, who in the recruiting trails are going to select USC as far as wanting to go to USC, because they know they might have to sit out a year or two and wait their turn. So with a true freshman, it's it's a little bit different. And this is even more different. It's not like uh, Matt Barkley, who came in in the spring. JT Daniels only arrived on June 8th. So he's got, you know, about the least amount of time you could you could have heading into a season and becoming a starting quarterback as a coach, you know, if he's the most talented, he looks the most ready, whatever, what kind of concerns do you have when you're putting a true freshman in there and and basically giving him the keys to your offense? Well, my main concern is the offensive line. Uh, You've got to have an offensive line that blocks both run and pass and gives them a chance to be successful. No one can be successful unless you block. I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any games this weekend. It's very difficult to throw when you're on your back. And I think one thing that he's going to face as far as some teams, uh, a lot of different coverages, a lot of different looks up front uh, as far as stunts and blitzes and so on to try to confuse him. So I think it, the key comes to the offensive line. Can the offensive line protect him? Can the offensive line establish a running game for the running backs? There's no question about the running backs being able to run the football. I have no problem. I love the running backs as far as a group. So I think it comes to the offensive line. I think the kid's got the talent to be a great football player. And I think if the offensive line can perform, then he's got a better chance to be a great football player. But if he's running for his life, as Sam Darnold did most of last year, and making just tremendous plays on the run or big plays running or whatever he did. He's a magic man. Uh, you can't expect uh, JT Daniels to be that, that savvy yet. So I think that they've got to be able to block for him, and I think the whole key for him being successful is the performance of the offensive line. I really believe that because if he gets, you know, loses confidence or they sack him several times, then that's going to force him to force passes and make wrong decisions. So I think the offensive line is the key thing here as far as JT Daniels. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there, Coach. Needs to be – the offensive line has to play a lot better than what we've seen over the last couple of years. Uh, veteran group coming back. They should – they have the capabilities of doing it. We'll see. But JT Daniels is going to need that. Um, well, we had a question about the quarterbacks from – I believe it's pronounced Yi. Hopefully it's Yi. It's Y-I. Um, so he said, after week one of fall camp, 
Jack Sears was the unanimous pick in a peristyle thread to start if the UNLV game would have been played then. Um, he said, now in Dan Weber's latest column, he said there was no real competition. It sounds like JT was the obvious choice. What has changed between then and now? Since when did JT start to show dominance, uh, performance, and practice? Thanks from Yee. And I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk about this real quick, Coach. Um, yeah, I think there were some early threads in the peristyle. Jack Sears, when I was charting all the quarterbacks, he had the highest percentage going in. Um, and I thought he looked good. But, I mean, really that first scrimmage, JT Daniels. So after the first week, JT Daniels came out and threw four touchdown passes and was 10 of 12. I think pretty much everyone was on that JT Daniels bandwagon at that point. We all thought Jack Sears played a lot better. He had, he had a great scrimmage too. He had a couple of touchdowns and stuff and a really nice one to Josh Mitchell baby down the right sideline. But I don't think there was ever a time where I was thinking, you know, this is Jack Sears team. Now, if you had to pick someone of the veterans, I think Sears had played better, but um, to me, it, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, it was, it was pretty clear that JT Daniels is the better guy, but I was really impressed with the way Jack Sears played, but kind of get your thoughts on what you had to say, coach. Well, you know, I'll tell you what I was more surprised at if I was surprised at anything at the quarterback selection. I wasn't surprised JT Daniels was selected. Was I was selected at the order of the depth chart. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they have Sears second and Fink third. No, they have Fink second and Sears third. Uh, that sort of surprised me in a, a bit. Uh, not really. I mean, but it did. I sort of said, really? When I saw that. Uh, rather than uh, saying they're equal or 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 whatever, they've definitely said one, two, three, and I think that sort of surprised me too. I think maybe the maturity of Fink maybe was the deciding factor, and he's played in a game, but I don't know really if Fink really outperformed Sears. I'm not sure on that, but again, I'm not the coach making the decision. I mean, I'm I'm not the coach either. And I agree with you. I think that to me, it looked like Sears was the better of the two. But it's pro you're probably right, Coach, that the reason he was select he wasn't put um, in, you know in second place or whatever uh, was that 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 Matt Fink actually does have some game experience. If it came down to it, and like you know, you never want to say something like this happens, but you know, if JT Daniels goes down with some kind of season-ending injury, uh, would you? put Jack Sears in over Matt Fink. I kind of think they would, even though they don't list him as second on the depth chart. Well, I think maybe why they went with Matt Fink was he has some experience and say the inexperience of JT Daniels uh, it doesn't really work. And I'm not sure that's the truth or what would happen, but I think they bring another element to the offense as far as a little experience, running ability, he can stretch the defense a bit. And I'll tell you, USC's got to stretch the defense, whether they're jet series or fly series or with Jones coming across or somebody. They've got to be able to hold the backside. They really do. And if for some reason they can't go with their one back set, which they, I'm not sure they won't, uh, then he brings another dimension to the offense that maybe JT doesn't bring. Because he made a nice run in the spring. He made a nice run last year. He, he brings a little bit more physicality and a little bit more to the offense, maybe, that JT doesn't. So I think maybe that could be in their minds on why they put him in the second spot. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, that makes sense, coach. We'll see going forward. You know, the other thing that was interesting, not a big deal, but they also um, uh, listed, uh, was it, I always get it mixed up, the Holden Thomas or Thomas Holden, um, the, the walk-on quarterback who never got any competitive reps, but they called it like a four-person um, competition. He was never out there throwing the football when, you know, seven-on-seven seven and, and team stuff was going on. So I'm not sure why he kind of threw him in there if it was just like something to be nice, but he was never really in the mix. Well, it's sort of saying, uh, we thank you for your time. Now go down and run the scout team. Yeah. So I think that's what it's about, and kids deserve that. And I think that if he was out there and getting hit and going through the drills and everything, why not? What's it cost you to put a name on a depth chart? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. It doesn't really cost anything. We'll see if it's going to be him or um, – Jack Sears or Matt Fay or somebody else running the scout team. So we'll see what, what, how that ends up. You know, we'll find out this week when we get to practice. Um, that's the other thing coach too, is that, you know, we thought that he might wait until later this week before the game to announce somebody. The fact that he announced it, um, Sunday night, uh, I mean, any significance to that, that he gets to get all the first team reps this week and there's no more competition per se. Is that significant at all? Yeah, I think you got to do it. It's a distraction not to name your quarterback. Everybody at practice, like I say, that's the first question all the guys ask. When are you going to make a decision? When are you going to make a decision? And you've got to get that out of the way. You've got to start talking about UNLV and your season and what's going on. You've got to get that decided, and they've made that decision. I think it was smart they made that decision. Now nobody has to ask him who the starting quarterback is, and everybody starts to assume their role at every position and you now go on and off the field and you know exactly what's going on as far as with every position, as far as substitution, if your left tackle goes down, the tackle that's in the second spot should automatically run on the field. Not where is he? Where's the tackle? Where's Bradley at? Where is he? Where? Hey, he knows who's number two. I mean, they know, they know who's number two at center. If Lobodon goes down. So you've got to start practicing these things during the week so there's communication between the players and the offense and the quarterback and also all the other positions as far as on the sideline and the replacements. So the the depth chart, you know, there were some other kind of interesting aspects to it. Um, you know, Achille Ross, uh, who had a, a bit of an outburst in practice late last week on Wednesday, um, not on there. So it looks like his plan to be at USC for three years and gone is, is coming to fruition. So uh, I think he's close to graduating. He'll probably stay. My guess is he stays and graduates and then transfers somewhere else. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Then you have Bubba Bolden getting that starting spot there. Uh, Austin uh, Jackson getting the start left tackle spot over uh, Clayton Bradley. Um, you see Amon Ra listed as the first punt returner. I thought that was going to be something. Have anything kind of interesting from from all that stuff, Coach? Well, um, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I think that we all assumed uh, that those would be the starters. I'm sort of surprised Brandon Pillay. He's I love that guy. Isn't in there playing somewhere? Yeah, Pillay. Yeah, Brandon I'm Pillay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I, I number ninety one. I know who he is, okay? I just maybe can't pronounce his name. I'm very careful in not doing that because I do screw him up. But uh, I think he's a, a real player. I don't know what he has to do to play. Uh, I really don't. Uh, 
<laughs> but you know they've got to do what they got to do and and uh, like I said earlier uh, they're the coaches and they have to make those decisions and I'm not at every meeting and looking at every tape but he's a force in there we'll see what happens with that Yukili Ross I see that happens young people get emotional and and it's very difficult to say maybe you're not going to start and he feels it's his turn to start so rather than go through it and play it out. Uh, he wants to show everybody that he's not going to put up with it and he's going to leave, and I want to wish him the best of luck. I've had that happen, but you always hear me say you got to get the players on the field, who the best players are, and they and if they believe Bolin's the best, and Tell's the best, and I somewhat agree because of their size and the way they can cover the field, you got to do that. You got to play the best corners. And right now, their next big decision on who's going to start at the other corner across from Marshall. And they got to do that as soon as they can. Uh, alternating someone at corner is very difficult because you never get a feel of who you're playing against. And you got to be able to evaluate his, his speed, his moves, and get to know just who he is. So they've got to make that decision too. And I think alternating them is a very difficult thing to do. But they've still got a few decisions to make, and we'll see what happens with that. So uh, those I, I felt that all the decisions were somewhat what I'd had in my mind. Yeah, I think it all they all kind of made sense. Um, nothing really jumped out as like, oh, I mean, maybe surprising that you would put a true freshman at punt returner over uh, a veteran in uh, a Janet Harris, but. I think that's a really good sign if you're a USC fan that's like concerned about special teams. I've been very critical of special teams. I love a J.D. Harris as a player. He just was not very effective as a punt returner. The fact that they're willing to switch it up and put a true freshman there, I think it shows that they know that special teams underperformed last year. So I, I look at that as a good sign, Coach. I do too. I think it's a good sign. you got to have a hand guy. We talked about that. A guy that you just want a fair catch, and then you've got to have a guy that's an explosive guy, a guy that can take it all away, and you've got to have a, both of them that can make decisions on what to do. And I think Harris is a great player, but he proved to me that decision-making-wise last year, he had a tough time. All right, uh, let's get to some other questions. We had uh, it's a Trojan fan from Sin City. He said, Coach Hyde. I just wanted to say that even though it's been a few years, my pregame is still not the same without seeing you up on the ESPN stage and hearing your take on the team before every home game. Uh, he said, after lear uh, learning about JT Daniels being named the starter tonight, I have one question for Coach Hyde. Do you think all the weight slash pressure of this season has been placed on this young but very talented and gifted true freshman? I am seeing a remarkable, remarkable resemblance to the 2009 season where Matt Barkley started two of the first three games and they were on the road. Oh, and look at the fourth game is at home against Wazoo. Isn't that weird? Yes, one of the games was a great win at the Horseshoe, but the next week was on the road at Washington and it felt like a letdown after what happened the week before. Flip-flop the big games before a letdown and you could get this season going up to the farm and then a huge game at Texas. Thanks for all the information and the rest of the uscfootball.com staff provide for us fans every week. Fight on. Well, let me say, I really enjoyed doing the pregame show and that also Sunday morning show, Trojan Brunch with ESPN. Uh, I did like doing it, but uh, they decided, it wasn't me, 
ESPN decided they wanted to go a different way, and I'm not sure if USC wasn't involved in that decision too, but someone was, and and I was told that uh, they were going to waive me. So they waived me, and that's the way that goes. And if you don't mind this, I'll tell people too that I sort of do a show like that on Wednesday evenings. My first show will be this Wednesday at 7 p.m. on AM 830, which is the Angel Station, KLAA. So I'll have a full hour where I can do just about the same thing there. And I always give you the different times I'm on because I have to move around the Angel schedule or the World Series or something, but you'll always know when I'm going to be on. But uh, that's a decision that someone else made. I didn't make it. I really enjoyed doing that show. And thank you very much for the the comment on that. But also, as far as JT Daniels, yeah, it's a lot of pressure on him. But they've got to take pressure off of him. They've got to be able to assume that uh, that they don't want him to just throw the ball every down. They've got to be able to uh, allow the offensive line, too, to uh, get custom to run blocking and and uh, keep the defensive line guessing where they just don't put, you know, get a tra- track stance and like they're running the 40 and come run up the field because you're passing the ball three-quarters of the time. And I hope that, and I'll be able to tell that, we'll be able to tell that, early in the UNLV game, exactly what their game plan is offensively. Is it really to run the football or is it to really exploit UNLV's corners and throw the ball and try to get the big plays and try to cover the spread and and all of that? That's not going to help them down the road. What they got to do is try to be better at the things they're not real good at. Yeah, I think uh, (laughs) they have to do that. And it's it's not like a preseason game, but – this is a team you're more talented than, and you should be able to kind of do what you want without showing, you know, your week two opponent, Stanford, or your week three opponent, Texas, uh, your whole game plan. You're exactly right. You've got to be able to stay balanced. So, you know, you're able to make them defense more things. Uh, you don't want them to think, oh, they can't run the ball. They show you they can't run the ball. And, and you've got to be able to do things that they have to cover and, and be concerned about and I also hope this week they they work a lot on their short yardage offense and you heard me mention this I think it was last week I'm not sure if it was this show or another show that I saw them throw a lot of goal line routes all the time from the five yard line or wherever they were but I never saw a lot of hitting and scrimmaging and double tight down there with a series for short yardage. I, di- I didn't see that much at all emphasized. And to me, that was one of the biggest weaknesses in their offense the last couple of years. So I'm waiting to see exactly what's happening there because they they were coming off the edge, handing the ball back to someone that's seven yards deep, and he was being hit at the line of scrimmage before he even got started. So I hope they're working on that. Yeah, we'll see. Um all right, let's see. Let's uh, let's go to Tarek. He said, since the offense doesn't do a traditional huddle, should they use more tempo to take advantage of all of the skill players they have? Well, you know, they talk about tempo, 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 and occasionally they do that. But really, basically, USC isn't a tempo offense. I mean, you hear me talk about it. it's an offense that doesn't huddle, okay? That's that's basically what it is. They substitute a lot, so they have to wait for the guy to get lined up and this and that. I I would love to see him huddle like three yards from the line of scrimmage, uh, get the play, have the quarterback give the call, 
turn around, run the line of scrimmage, and snap the ball uh, after he gets his reads, of course, and what's going on. I think that's far more effective than just standing there and looking to the sideline, waiting for somebody, and then having to delay a game penalty, and then have one guy not get the call. Uh, you'll see more teams starting to do that than they did before. I, I don't know the advantage of just standing there and looking to the sideline. I, I feel there's a get togetherness when you get in the huddle. I remember the old days, you used to even hold hands in the huddle, offensively and defensively, sort of a group type of feeling, like we're strong, we're like a chain. You know, when you're spread out all over, you really can't don't communicate with anybody. And the quarterback really doesn't have an opportunity to tell his team, we got to get this, we got to get this. And remember now, Joe, on the backside, if it isn't there, I'm going to look for you. So be ready. Don't be just daydreaming. You know, this type of thing and conversation you can have with a huddle. And uh, I don't know really if standing and looking at the sideline really does anything. It does anything. I really don't. Who are you confusing? You can be confusing yourself sometimes. <laughs> Good call, buddy. Good um, call. We've seen that too. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, Brian Ellis talked about uh, that there's a lot of tempo in the offense already. So maybe they do some of that. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll I have... don't see any tempo in that offense. You know, when I see tempo is when I watch some of these teams play that the officials can't even line the ball up. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 good. They're they're all. Oh my God! Stop! Wait a minute! We move the chains. A uh, guy throws his bag down where the ball should be, where the chain should be spotted, but they're getting ready to snap the ball already. I, mean, I don't see that with USC. No, not yeah, but I think there's. I think what he was saying is there are elements in there. We'll have to see. I mean, if that's something that JT Daniels feels comfortable doing, maybe they do run a little bit more of that. It's just weird when they would come out before and say, like, remember Steve Sarkeesian was like, "We're going to run 120 plays a game." They did it. Like the first, the opener was maybe against Fresno State or something, and then they ran like fifty-five plays against Stanford <laughs> next week. So it really wasn't in their DNA. Um, we have, uh, let's see, it's Johnny from. Uh, this is a text question. Johnny from Nashville, Tennessee. He said, "I kept up with the latest news with the team and each unit's performance. I would like to know what your thoughts are and how good the defense is and where it can be expected to rank in the Pac-12 and even nationally." Thank you and fight on. I think the defense has the potential to be damn good. Uh, I really do. I think they swarm you. They run well. He loves to play on your side, on their side of the football. Uh, get the right people out there. It comes down to getting the right people out there and making sure that when you substitute, you get them on the field in time to get the signal and understand why they're on the field. And how many times have I said this as far as the corner play? I don't know how many times I have to say this, but when you penetrate and you attack, as an offensive coach, I'm going after your corners, okay? I'm going to match either height to get them size-wise so that I have a chance to throw the ball high and he can't cover me or I'm going to get a pass interference or I'm going to put a speed guy on him that he can't cover. And he's going to be worrying about the speed and I'm going to run comebacks, out routes, curls to the inside, depending what coverage you run, stop and goes, all the different type of things that's going to cause him a lot of problems. So when I do that, uh, you've got to give that guy help by making sure you get to the quarterback. If you don't get to the quarterback, that's a big strain on your corners. 
So, uh, you know, I just really think that uh, when you do uh, blitzes and corner blitzes and so on, you've got holes in there. Uh, you, you're losing a cover guy, so you better be able to get the ball off and have a mismatch somewhere and have people looking and, and utilize the whole field. So uh, that's what I'd be concerned with, but I'd love the safeties. I really do love the safeties. They're both honorary guys. I like honorary guys that play safety. Normally you have a basketball player playing center field back there or a tennis guy that just goes up and knocks balls down. But these guys can do both, and I really like that. Tell's a nasty guy, and I think Boland's nasty, and I think that's good. And when I mean nasty, I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying they like football. They like to hit somebody. They want to have a different color on their helmet. And uh, I think that's good. But the corner position is what concerns me, guys. I keep telling you all the time. Uh, we'll see what happens. We will, Coach. And then we have one last question. Uh, he says, hello, Trojan fans. Nick uh, from Cyprus. Big Nick, 21 USC from the P. He says, question for the coach. Since he coached offensive line, what are his thoughts on Austin Jackson starting over Clayton Bradley? I personally like the move and think Jackson is probably our only day one draft pick on the line. Hope I'm wrong, but the offensive line has underachieved, in my opinion, over the past few years, developing day one draft picks like they did under Pete Carroll. Fight on just days away from game day from Nick. Well, I've told his grandpa that he's going to play in the NFL someday. And his grandpa, I saw him the other day, I was on a panel. And uh, I told his grandpa, this kid is going to play in the NFL. It's just that when he gets his opportunity to play, uh, he's the strongest, I think, offensive lineman, and he's the fastest offensive lineman. And he's uh, nasty in his way. He uh, is sort of a loner, does his thing. He's a very intelligent kid. They had a big article on him in the Times uh, as far as why he changed his name and so on. He seems to be a lovable person. And uh, he'll get his opportunity. He might not start at USC, but he's going to start in the NFL. You think I'm kidding you. Uh, I, I, I would watch him very closely and see just how he performs and how many illegal procedures. And, 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 and I'm not trying to be negative on the kid. Just, hey, kid, you got to correct this. Holding, illegal procedure, late hits, and block kids uh, down the field. Second level, 100% every play. So I evaluate those guys. Now, uh, I think he's a great backup either way. I really do. I think he's got great potential. Next year, he'll be the starter at the right tackle. So uh, I just think he's got great talent, and I think they're very fortunate to have that type of player. Hey, Coach, we got one last thing uh, before we let you go. Just wanted to get your thoughts. I think we talked about this last week a little bit, but uh, opener against UNLV, you know, you were a former head coach there, a program you're familiar with. For USC fans that really don't, and probably most of them, don't know a lot about this team, uh, besides maybe, you know, picking up a head coach from the high school ranks, maybe give them a little kind of overview of, of what this program and where it is right now. Well, it's in the stage. I think it's one of the only things. There might be two other teams in the country that have won one more game four years in a row from one to two to three to four to five last year. They lost uh, two very close football games last year. They'd have gone to a bowl game. Tony Sanchez is the head football coach. He was the head football coach at uh, 
Bishop Gorman High School, where he won many uh, state championships and a national championship and became the head coach at UNLV. Uh, they are better than what they have been. I've seen them in practice. They are more physical than what they have been. Uh, they've made some coaching changes, and I think it's to the good. Uh, they have an outstanding quarterback who started as a freshman, Amani Rogers, who will be starting against USC. He is the uh, all-purpose type of running back. He runs and passes. They've got two outstanding running backs, and I'm not trying to – I'm not giving a game plan away. I'm just telling anybody can find this out. One listed in one of the Earl Campbell Awards, I think it is, is one of the top running backs in the country. was first-team all-conference last year. Uh, on the defensive side, they're more physical. I think they're better than what they have been. That's been a shortcoming on their part over the last several years, giving up 20-plus points per game. And, uh, you know, uh, I and I, their kicking game is solid. Now, they'll play like hell. They're going to play really hard, but Tony, that's Tony Sanchez's uh, personality and his staff's personality. Now, do they have the personnel to match up with USC? I would say no. Who would ever think they would? But he'll get his kids to play hard and hope that USC will help them play with them by making mistakes. And they will try to take advantage of those mistakes. If I was coaching UNLV against USC, I would come down here. I'd be, have the team be very loose. I'd have the parents at the hotel. We'd have a good party and the night before the game. Everything would be that type of thing, the alumni and everything. And, uh, and then we'd say, we're going to have fun tomorrow. We're going to go out and have fun in the Coliseum. I wouldn't put a lot of pressure on them. They're a 27-point dog, and I'd go out and say, let's go out and have some fun. And if we don't win the game, now this is what I'm going to say to myself, if we don't win the game, I want to keep it respectable so that we have pride in our program. All the off-season recruiting and fall camp has not been wasted. And we go back next week and play UTEP and beat UTEP and then beat Prairie View and then beat teams we're supposed to beat so we can go to a bowl game. The UNLV football program is starving for a bowl game. They're starving. So you don't want to say, this is our season. This determines who we are. No, it doesn't. It's a money game for your football program and athletic department. I think they're getting 1.3 or whatever. Go out and learn from this. Find out how far away you are from this type of program. And then move on. Spend little time on it. If it's a good film, I'd show the film the next week. If it's a not a good film, I'd probably show very little of it and move on to UTEP and show all their films. So basically, that's what I'd do. And another thing I would do is be watching JT Daniels in high school. And I would get all the high school films I could. His brother coaches at Bishop Gorman High School who faced JT Daniels last year, and I'd watch him in high school, but he hadn't been out of high school that much, and I'd try to see if he's got something that I can pick up, a knack that might help us defensively. So uh, that's the way I'd approach it, and uh, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, Coach, good stuff. Uh, so USC fans get to see some football this weekend. So hopefully you enjoyed this edition
uh, of the Peristyle Podcast with the coach. Coach, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your insights. Fun stuff as always. Ryan, it's a pleasure, and I want to thank all of you out there. And uh, again, keep your questions coming in because that's what makes the show. And again, remember that it's the only opinion. And Ryan, I want to remind everybody that Coach Clay Helton will be in Pasadena on Friday at the University Club. I think it's 175 uh, North Oakland. He'll be speaking. Uh, I would suggest you get there by 11. I think he's going to speak about 1130. Uh, and uh, you'll have a chance to see him, talk to him, and ask any questions to him. He's a great guy, and he'll be there, and it's a great event. So go to PassingAQuarterbackClub.org, and you can get all the information and all the speakers that we're having for the entire season. So Ryan, I, let me thank you for letting me plug that, because I know you. I think you're going to be there. And I remember, will. if you come, you're on me, buddy. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, I'll be there. Looking forward to a great lunch and hearing uh, Clay Helton speak. Less than 24 hours before uh, the game. So that'll be fun. But thank you, Coach. And thank you, everyone else, for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. We should have a packed week as far as podcasts go. We'll have Dan Weber on. Um, like we're going to do, we're going to work on a preview show. We'll do a little bit later in the week. Uh, we have our live show coming up. And don't forget, we're going to do a little uh, USCFootball.com event on Friday. Uh, so after you go to the Pasadena Quarterbacks Club, you check out the luncheon. Head over uh, to campus. They're going to have the jock rally at 5 o'clock, but we're going to have a little gathering starting at 3, a little meet and greet, and we're going to give away those Trader Joe's bags. So all that will be uh, on campus next to Heritage Hall. Uh, we'll have our uscfootball.com tent out there, so come check that out. So it'll be, be a full day on Friday, Coach. It will be. It will be. Right after quarterback club, i got a radio show i got to do back to Las Vegas on the game, and then uh, I wish I could come down there, but uh, – High school football. I got to see some high school football. Yeah. This is absolutely fantastic. I went to one this weekend. I went to uh, my first game Friday. Uh, Lawndale against Sierra Canyon, USC running back commit. Jordan Wilmore. Hey, what did you? Yeah, tell me. He had a great game. What, 250 yards rushing? 272 yards. I mean, it was like not official, but three touchdowns, one touchdown called back. He had an 80 yarder, coach, and a 99 yarder. So that was. Right, He ran right at me. I put up the video up on uscfootball.com. You can check it out. So he's a four-star uh, running back. He's three-star in the composite, but four-star from, from 24-7 sports. And uh, that's that's because ESPN doesn't watch any players uh, out west. But, uh, yeah, he's he's a, a, he's kind of like a Curtis McNeil type, about 5'9", maybe 5'8 and a half, uh, close to 200 pounds. And yeah, running right at me for 99 yards. It was pretty cool. He did the, he gave the fight on fingers and pointed it right at my camera as he ran at me. So it was a pretty cool moment. I used to call those spark plugs. Yeah. I used to call those type of players spark plugs. Look out, man. This guy's got a lot of spark to him. Huh? And I tell you, you know, a lot of times they're very difficult to tackle because you can't see them. And all of a sudden, when you look for them, you overshoot them and you you tackle too high and they duck you run right through you and they're in the secondary. I'll tell you that's that's great. Does he have good speed? Yeah, he has pretty good speed. I mean, he he outran yeah. everybody twice, so it's pretty good. All right, I didn't mean to get into a Gerald Martinez here show on recruiting, but I get excited too when uh, great players commit to USC. You know? Yeah, yeah. We I think we had I think we were at four or five different high school games this past weekend. So a lot of coverage up on USCFootball.com if you like recruiting too. So check all that out. That's the coach. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. 
SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.